message is brought to you by Capital City Baptist Church of Port Mosby. We exist to bring glory to God by knowing Christ and making Him known. If you would like to visit our church, we hold multiple services on Sunday mornings starting at 9 a.m. We are located between Motokare Wharf and Edai Town. Pickups are available 709-1000. I'm sorry, chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, I'm going to read from verses 14 to 17. This is the second in Brother Eric's series on spiritual disciplines. Last week was really good. I was out uh, preaching at ATS last Sunday. When I got home, I listened to Brother Eric's message. It was wonderful, and I'm looking forward to this morning. Always at the beginning of a new year, we think about hitting that reset button. And this is a good thing to do. So this morning, Brother Eric's going to be preaching on the topic of the Word of God, and we're going to read these verses together now, 2 Timothy 3, verses 14 through 17. The Bible says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. This is Paul writing to Timothy. And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Thank the Lord for his word. All right. Good morning, church. So good to see you all this morning. How are you all this morning? So good to see so many visitors, um, many of whom we've been praying for, and you are here this morning. Um, I thank God for bringing you here this morning. As last week, I hit the start button on my um, counter, so I'm good to go. All right. Thank you, Brother Jerry. We talked about um, spiritual disciplines and how it is very important for our lives as a Christian. And um, this morning, I will continue that series, um, beginning with the Word of God, the Bible. Um, What is the Bible and um, why it's important for us as a Christian? So um, a couple of days ago, I was, I, I, I stood on a scale, okay? I stood on a scale, and I got the shock of my life. I mean, it was 211.68. And my brain went, you know, all the springs in my head just went long, long. 211 kgs. I almost died. And to make it worse, when I looked down, I saw my stomach bulging out. I, I, you know, I, this is not me, but then this is me, right? Okay? And so here I am, looking at my stomach, so bulging out, and looking at the scale, 211.68, and I went, goodness, what's happening, Eric? And so I went to the calculator, well, not calculator, I went to the internet on my phone, and I punched 
216.11, and I saw it on kilograms, kg. It was about almost 97 kilos. Now, I'm not a 90, 90 kilo guy, okay? I'm a 79 and 82 kilo guy. That's where I've been, that's where I always have been. But something odd happened, okay? I don't know, Minnesota. I don't know what it was, but there it is, 97 kilos almost. And here I am, I'm thinking, uh, bro, you know, you need to cut out something. Actually, not something, some things. And I realized that as I was hitting target on everything else, I forgot something very important. I forgot that I needed to control my eating habits. <laughs> and so, that, those few days ago, up until now, I have decided to control that. I decided to bring discipline into my personal life. Um, so, good news for me, that is, I lost about four kilos. Woohoo! And, and that is good news, you know. That means the things that I am putting my head and brain and my all into the effort I'm placing, I make kissing kai kai. It, it's, it's just discipline, okay? Just discipline and, man, I, I just said, I lost discipline in, the, in this, must be the Christmas season. It's not Sister Molong's fault, it must be Acacia, she's been doing good cooking during Christmas. So yeah, I'd like to speak on um, God's word. See, spiritual disciplines are good for all believers. Anyone that professes that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior, spiritual discipline is good for you. All right? We will find out why in a moment. What are spiritual disciplines? I'm sure when you went home last week, you went to Google and you, you typed out spiritual disciplines and it gave a list. Bing, 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 bing. So all those you saw... Yes, a spiritual disciplines, okay? I, I, I noted them here. Spiritual disciplines are Bible reading, Bible study, prayer, fasting, tithing, giving, missions, witnessing, journaling, worship, submission, integrity of heart, abstention, silence, solitude, etc. Some even go as far as Flagellations, okay? That's where man is in whip. Let me kill him, me at the backside, okay? Man gets a whip and he, he whips himself just, just so that he can submit because of the pain that he's going through. But, you know, we don't do those, okay? We don't do that. We don't go to that extreme. All these have one thing in common it takes commitment, it takes practice. It takes faithfulness. It takes consistency. And it takes intentionality. I'll say this again. Good words, but you need to hear these words, and you need to find out what they mean. It takes commitment. It takes practice. It takes faithfulness. It takes consistency. And it takes intentionality. We know that all these listed can come under three categories. One, 
his word, two, his ear, and three, his body. That's the Bible, prayer, and fellowship. You take care of this tree, and most or all of these will naturally fall into its place, except for the whipping part, okay? This morning, I want to speak to you about the Bible and why it's important for your spiritual growth and well-being. When someone asks you, do you believe the Bible is God's word? What would you say in response? I have some answers here. Yes, I believe the Bible is God's word because the Bible says so. Or because my father and mother said so. Or because I heard this in Sunday school. All right, these are good answers. And these are true answers, yeah. But, but these are elementary. This is, this is just, as a child of the most high God, we need to be more informative and in-depth when we are giving Answers to a questioner who wants to know about the Bible and who God is. In this message today, we will answer the following questions, okay? These are my points, okay? Point one, first question, what is the Bible? Point two, second question, why is it important for me? Just two points, then we'll be done and we'll go home, right? So point one, question one, what is the Bible? What is the Bible? I want you to take your Bible in your hands and hold it up. Okay? Take your Bible in your hands and hold it up. Everyone, take your Bibles in your hands and hold it up. Not your notebook, not your phone, your Bibles. Biblos. Okay? Lift them up. All right. So, you know what the Bible is, right? This is the Bible, and we believe that this is God's word, right? All right? And so, thank you. You can put them down. What is the Bible? Well, number one, the Bible is the, div- uh, we, see, we see the divine origin of the Bible. The Bible itself claims that it is God's word, okay? It is God's word. You don't have to say it. It claims itself, all right? The words, thus saith the Lord, is found 3,800 times in the Bible. Now, unlike any other books, millions of books have been written about the Bible. Millions were written to interpret the Bible. Millions were written to talk about the Bible. Millions were written to study it. Millions of books were written and printed across the world to be given to tribes and nations worldwide. No other book in the history of mankind can outlive, outnumber, or outsell the Bible. That is the Bible. It is a universal book, and it has divine origins. There are a couple of names that I want to share with you about the Bible. See, the Bible is a revelation of the almighty God who had created the whole universe and all the other universes that scientists and astronomers are finding, okay? Here are some key names and titles for the Bible and portions of the Bible. It is called the Book of Moses. It is called the Book of Prophecy. 
It is called the covenant, the book of covenant. It is called the book of the law. It is called the book of the prophets. It is called the book of truth. It is called the book of commands or the book of commandments. It is called the book of the covenants. It is called the gospel. It is called the gospel of Christ. It is called the gospel of God. It is called the gospel of grace. It's called decrees and statements. It's called holy scriptures. It's called perfect law. It's called the law and the prophets. It's called living word or lively oracles. It's called the sword of the spirit. It's called the word. It's called the word of Christ. It's called the word of faith. It's called the word of God. It's called the word of his grace. It's called the word of life. It's called the word of the Lord. It's called the word of truth. And um, there are some symbols that the Bible associates itself to, okay? The Bible is seen as a mirror, James 1, 23. It is called a mirror because it reflects the mind of God and the true condition of the heart of man. It's called seed. In James 1 and 1 Peter, it's called seed because once properly planted, it brings forth life, growth, and fruit. It's called water because it cleanses, refreshes, and quenches the soul and the spirit. It's called lamp because it shows us where we are now and guides us to our next steps as we go forward. It's called a sword. It is called a sword because it's the only offensive weapon that stands and defends us against Satan and his wiles. It is called the nourishing food like milk, meat, bread, and honey. That's the Bible. And in Jeremiah, Jeremiah calls it the hammer. It, it is referred to the hammer because it, is, it is, has the ability to tear down and to build up. And in Jeremiah also, it is called a fire. It is called a fire because of its ability to judge, purify, and to consume. Now, there are two types of revelations. All right? Two types of revelations. You have the general revelation. Okay? In the general revelation, it is given to the whole world in nature, in providence, in conscience. Okay? Nature is, when men look at nature, man sees the handiwork of God. Man knows that God exists. He knows that there is someone superior than himself. Man sees the nature. And in providence, man is provided with food, air, and water. God provides that for mankind. And everyone receives that same. And in conscience, conscience is that inner man that speaks to us daily to do right and to not do the wrong things. So that's general revelation. Special revelation. Special revelation is through Christ. God reveals himself through Christ. All right? John 1 verse 18, John 5, and John 6. Okay? And also God reveals himself 
himself through the scriptures, okay? Through the scriptures. And that's the Bible that's in your hand. So God's revelation or God telling man who he is is recorded in this book, okay? Now, number two, divine revelation of the Bible. The term revelation comes from the Greek word apocalypsis, which means a disclosure or unveiling, the significance of which is that God is unveiling himself or revealing himself to mankind. So God reveals himself to mankind. Now, the first man lived 930 years, okay? First man, Adam, lived 930 years. Now, when God created Adam, Adam was just a speck of dust, and God picked it up, and God created, and God blew into his nostril. And then God revealed himself to Adam. God revealed his will to Adam. God revealed his thoughts to Adam. God didn't just give the whole revelation. No, God didn't do that. Okay? Because Adam needed that capacity. All right? So, slowly and surely, God revealed himself to Adam. Adam lived 930 years, and in his lifetime, he watched his generations walk away from God, except for just a few. Now, Adam was still alive when Enoch walked with God. And he was not because God took him. Lamech was Noah's father. And Lamech was born, and Lamech lived until 57, and Adam died. Now, imagine Lamech, Noah, Adam, the word that God revealed from the Garden of Eden, the pure words of the Holy God, the pure words of the Creator God given to Adam, Adam brought it down to Lamech. He was still alive. Adam gave those words to Lamech. Lamech gave those words to his son, Noah. God judged the world. Noah passed down these words to the fifth generation, Eba, and while he was alive, the whole world was wicked continually. Eba passed down these words to his seventh generation while he was still alive, Abraham. Abraham. And Eba was still alive when Abraham went and was told by God to look for the promised land. God chose Abraham to channel his words in its purity. And Abraham passed these words to his grandson, Jacob, who passed these ancient words to his 12 sons as they lived in Egypt. And these words were passed on to the next leader, Moses. And Moses wrote these words in the scrolls. And we have them, the first five books of Moses. And these words of God were kept in its purity. And as God revealed himself to mankind, he allowed man to write down his revelation. And God protected his words from any impurity. In one of his revelations, he spoke to Isaiah and another prophet that a Messiah Christ would come and save his people. See, not only God reveals himself through his word, his spoken word, but God reveals himself through Christ, his living word. See, John 1, verse 1 to 4, in the beginning was the word, 
and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not made anything that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. John 1, 14, and the word was made flesh, and he dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. See, this word of God will one day be on the throne, and every knee will bow at him. Revelation 19 says, And I saw heaven opened, and beyond a white horse, and he that sat upon it was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he, he judges and makes war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and had name written, and no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. I'm driving to a point, folks. The scriptures are God's revelation of himself to mankind. Very, very important. Number three, inspiration of the revelation. See, the revelation of God was given in a general revelation and a special revelation. And these words are possible, made possible by God taking care of them as the days and times and years and decades went by. They are factual words and they are alive because it is the Holy Spirit that gave the inspiration to these words. The inspiration is necessary to preserve God's revelation. Okay? God and me out in talk or say, me and me God, now inspiration, spirit blogging, he put a mark blogging, and me not look out in this plot, talk to God against all impurities. Revelation also, inspiration also guarantees the accuracy of the revelation. See, when the Spirit of God came on God's Word and took care of God's Word, down through the ages, the Word of God was never, never tainted, was never made false, or there was no, um, it was guaranteed accurate as it came from God's man. See, First Peter 1, 21 says this, For the prophecy, or the word of God, came not in old time by the will of man. But holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Second Timothy 3.16a says this, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. This is the only use of the Greek word theopanustos. Okay? Inspiration of God, which means God breathed. Inspired by God due to the inspiration of God. Other scriptures support this basic premise that the scriptures are inspired by God. You look him. Time man talk talk. When we speak as a human being, our words don't have that much of a weight. Okay? Because I may tell you a lie, or I may tell you something and not do it because something came up. Okay? But God, when God speaks, his words are true. And amen. When God speaks, his words are pure. When God speaks, his words are holy. And this, my friends, 
What you're holding in your hands are God's holy words. See, the most important thing about the scripture is that the devil can use it to destroy you, distract you, and take you out of fellowship with God. See, Matthew 4, for Christ, when he was talking back to the devil, he said, it is written, men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Jesus was quoting Deuteronomy 8.3. All right? In Matthew 5, verse 18, Jesus said, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or tittle shall, shall in no wise pass from the law till all the law be fulfilled. Now, this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, me talk of him. All get the talk talk. All get the words. All get the sentences. All get the thoughts and ideas. All get the sentence structures. All get the lettering block. This plot talk talk. You don't have loose. Big plot talk talk. Big plot talk talk. You don't have loose. You go in up. All get something. Book bubble. You talk again. You buy come up. All right? So, in answering the first question, what is the Bible? It is God's revelation of himself, inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is true and accurate in its revelation. See, the word of God is infallible. The word of God is inerrant. You may have come across some books that people think should be in the Bible. All right? And you may have asked, why are these Apocryphal books, not in the Bible. Let's solve that, all right? See, the book of Tobit or the book of Judith or the book of Wisdom of Solomon or Wisdom of Jesus, Ben, Shirak, the book of Baruch, Letters of Jeremiah, the other book of Daniel, the prayer of Azarias, Susanna and Baal and the dragon, or the Maccabees 1, Maccabees 2, Maccabees 3. Maybe you've come across these books. These books are not in the Bible as we hold it. They're not in for a reason. And I want us to see this reason. It's called canonicity, okay? Canon or C-A-N-O-N means books or letters compiled together as a whole and makes what we know as the Bible, Okay? Old Testament and New Testament were letters and books written by men, inspired by God. And men took them together, bound them together, and made it what we know as the Old Testament and New Testament. But why were some books taken away? Because of this word called canon. Canon is a Hebrew word called kane. It signifies a measuring rod. It's a Greek word called canon. It talks about a measuring rod, like a ruler, okay, like, like tests. So when these books come in, questions are asked to test these writings or these books. Did the book indicate divine authorship? Did it reflect God speaking through a mediator? Was the human author a spokesman of God? Was he a prophet? 
Was the book historically accurate? Did it reflect the, and record actual facts? How was the book received by the entire Jewish community? All those questions were asked. And once these books or letters passed all this canon, they ticked it as true. God's word. And all of them put together, we have what we have right now, 39 Old Testament canon books. The similar tests or the similar road of measurements were also employed in the New Testament. The scrolls and the parchments that were found, how did the church recognize that these books were canonical? How? Here's four things. Apostolicity. Was the author an apostle? Did he walk with Christ? Or was he an associate of an apostle? Like Luke. Like Barnabas. All right? First. Second, acceptance. How did all the churches, Corinth, Galatia, Ephesus, how did these churches accept Paul's writing? John's writing? Matthew's writing? Luke's writing? How did they accept it? Okay? If all these churches that were established accepted these writings, then they could be true. They're true. And also the content. Did the book reflect consistency of the doctrine that Christ and his disciples preached and taught. If it did, yes, it should be accepted. And last one is inspiration. Did the book reflect the quality of inspiration? You see, the apocrypha and the pseudo-epigrapha were rejected, biblical words, but those are, the, those are the books that were rejected and not in the Bible because they don't stand those tests. They are not God's word. They are not inspired. Only no coming of Papa God. Also, So they're not in this book. Now, you have in your hands the inspired, inerrant, infallible word of God. In your hands right now. In your hands right now. Saying all that to this. All right? Question two. Second point. Why is it important for me? Why? Why is the Bible important for me? Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is inspired of God. A, it pierces the heart. See, now when they heard these things in Acts 2, they were pricked in the heart. Change comes from the heart. If the heart is not changed, there will not be any change in anyone's life, no matter how hard you try. Change and come up on life blow you must come up on bell blown you. Suppose bell blown you, you don't have change. Life blown you, you don't have change. How about you expecting life will not change? Suppose bell blow you, you don't have change. The word is inspired. It pierces the heart. Not only does it pierce the heart, it reveals the heart. Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, 
piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrows and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. My friend, when you read these words, it's going to open your heart. And it's going to show you and show me that my heart needs God. Dirty heart. It reveals the heart. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who can know it? That is why we need God. That is why we need God's word in our lives. Number two, God's word is profitable. It's profitable. 2 Timothy 3.16b says it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. See, God's word is profitable because it establishes right belief. In your life. When the believer appropriates, takes in the word of God and internalizes it, the word itself creates a basis for a godly life. Why do we have issues in our life? Should we have issues in our life? Psalm 119.11 says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. See, it establishes a right belief. If we hide the word of God in our hearts, we will not sin against him. We will not sin against him. John 15 verse 3, Jesus told his disciples, Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. What can cleanse you? The word. The word. It produces also a right behavior. A right behavior. John 15 verse 4 to 5 says, Abide in me. Abide in me. And I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of its own. Except it abide in the vine, no more can he, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches, he that abides in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Ephesians 5 verse 9, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Ephesians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. All these things can come out in our lives if we take in God's word. Not only that, it empowers you with effort to do right. Philippians 2 verse 13, For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. We saw last week, 
that if you do the initiative, if you take the first step, God will take the rest. It's God that will work in you. But God cannot work in you if you cannot, if you will not work in yourself first. Put the hard yards in. Read the Bible. Meditate on it. Study it. Memorize it. God's Word. God's Word. It empowers you to do the right things. Second Peter 1, verse 5 and 7. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Who's going to do the adding? You. Not God. Not the Spirit. You add to your faith. It's something that we must do. And once you go ahead and do it, God is going to give you the effort to complete it and to keep on doing it. Add to your faith virtue and to your virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness charity. Do you have do you have these virtues in your life? Do you have, do you have temperance? Do you have patience? Do you have godliness? Do you love your brother or sister next to you? Do you have kindness in heart? Do you have charity? Maybe we don't display this because we don't put in the effort to do right. God's word is dependable. It's dependable. Second Timothy 3 verse 17. That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Right? Perfect. Perfect just means complete, whole. That the man of God, that you may be whole, you may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. You want to do good works? You want to do good works? Here. Get into the word. Get into the word. It brings maturity that the man of God may be perfect. Psalm 1 verse 1 and 3, 1 to 3 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, no standeth in the way of sinners, no sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law that he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in his season. His leaf shall also not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. You want things that you strive to do to prosper? Stick to the word. Second Timothy 2.15 Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study. The Bible encourages us to study. Not just read it. Study it. I like what Pastor Matt said last year when he was introducing this, when he was giving this. Pastor Matt said, to read is like skimming. You go on a dinghy and you just go and go and go and you... It's like skimming. That's reading the Bible, okay? But to study is when you go on a dinghy and you see something beautiful shining in the sea. Maybe gold or diamond. Maybe a treasure. Okay? 
and you pack the boat, you throw the anchor down, and you dive into the sea to go for the treasure. That's stunning. That is stunning. Not only that, it equips you for ministry. Thoroughly finished unto all good works. You say, but Eric, what ministry do I have? What ministry do I have? I'm just a boy. I'm just a girl. I'm just a woman staying at home. I'm just a dad. What, what ministry do I have? Look around you. When you go home, look around you. When you're at school, look around you. When you're with your community, look around you. That's your ministry. That's my ministry. God has placed me strategically and intentionally in this family, in this community, in this city. God has placed me in that. That's my ministry. And he will thoroughly finish you to do good works in your ministry. The word of God is powerful. Don't just read it. Study it and it will change your life. And those around you will also want that change. Because your life is changed. It helps you to speak into any situation. Helping many who may need counseling, who may need directions, or those who are contemplating suicide. Or broken lives, or broken marriages, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, sexual abuse, traumatized lives. The world is full, and yes, we are surrounded by people who need Jesus Christ. Yes, the word of God has the answers the soul and the spirit of man needs. We can fully equip, we can be fully equipped to assist the lost souls find grace in Jesus Christ. Let us not only read it, read the word, but let us make time to study the word. In conclusion, this is what the Bible does for you as a believer. Okay? This is what the Bible does. It upholds, it orders your steps. It produces joy. It strengthens. It gives hope. It gives light. It gives understanding. It shows God's will. It builds up. It produces fruit. It convicts of sin. It converts the soul. It cleanses the conscience. It, it consecrates the life. It corrects the wrong. It confirms the right. It comforts the heart. And it is all in here. And that's what it does for you. That's what it can do for you. This is a new year. Let us dive into it. Because of the above, you as a believer need to do the following. You need to read it. You need to hear it. You need to see it. You need to desire it. You need to preach it. You need to rightly divide it. You need to use it. You need to suffer for it. And if need be, you need to be ready to die for it. Someone said this, okay? Someone once said, this book, this book, contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, the happiness of the believer. Its doctrines are holy. Its precepts are binding. Its histories are true. Its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise. Believe it to be safe. Practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. 
It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's charter. Here, paradise is restored. Heaven is opened, and the gates of hell is disclosed. Christ is its grand object. Our good is its design, and the glory of God is its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, guide the feet, read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It is given you in life. It will be opened at a judgment, and it will never be forgotten but remembered forever. These words. It involves the highest responsibility. It rewards the greatest labor and will condemn all who trifle its sacred contents. God's word. Very, very important. Let us conclude with Psalm, Psalm 19. Psalm 19, verse 7 to 11 says these words. The law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul. It transforms you. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. It makes you wise. The status of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. It brings you joy. Joy and happiness are two separate things. The word of God brings you joy. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. It dispels darkness in your life. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. It adds stability to your life. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. It promises you justice. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey, than a honeycomb. Moreover, by them is the servant warned on how he can walk and take his steps. And in keeping of them, there is great reward. God's word. My friend, God's word is important. What is the Bible? It is God's word. Why is it important for me? It is important for us because it is God's word. Once you take God's word and put it in your heart, there will be change. Try it. Try it, my friends. Try it. If you have not tried it last year, I beg you, try it this year. Try it. Go home. Read Psalm 119. Read Psalm 19, verse 7 to 11. Read the scripture. I just want to tell you what God's word can do for your life. Take God's word into our hearts. Because it is true and it gives life. Let us all bow our heads this morning. Our Father in heaven, may your spirit deliver us from self and sin. And may we be drawn to love your word. Woo us to yourself, O Spirit of God, to daily find nourishment for our souls and guidance for our feet through your word. Thy word, O Lord, is true, and in them we have life. We move and have our being because your word is life. Father, we ask you that may you help us this year as we set our foundations right and on your word 
and that you guide us and lead us as we lead our spouses, as we lead our families, as we lead our communities towards you for salvation. We thank you, O Lord, that as we begin to read and study your word in a more deeper and personal way, we will also keep it in our hearts because we love you and we know that you will protect us as you have promised and you will bless us as we have. All this, Lord, is for your honor and for your glory. It's in your name we ask and pray. Amen. Thank you, church. You can be dismissed this morning.